Successful Performer Cast, Episode 78. This is the show that interviews one full-time professional entertainer per week with the goal of inspiring and equipping those who are working to make the leap themselves. This is the Successful Performer Cast. Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of Successful Performer Cast. This episode is brought to you by the book Acting for Magicians by Richard Rebuffo. Find out more and save $5 when you visit www.actingformagicians.com slash podcast to pick up your copy today. This episode is also brought to you by ManageGigs.com, a robust system that allows you to manage your customers, gigs, set lists, and more. Find out more and how you can become a beta tester by visiting www.managegigs.com slash beta, and that's B-E-T-A. So uh, this week we have a great interview for you guys uh, featuring variety artist, uh, Carissa Hendricks. And, uh, in this interview, she talks about, uh, her success and some of the things that she has done to help, uh, you know, bring her to success. And this includes, uh, things like hiring a full-time assistant, Facebook ads, press releases, and, uh, something that really intrigued me, which was doing things out of order. But before we get to that, I also wanted to remind you guys that I have a contest going on celebrating our reaching 50,000 downloads, and uh, the prize is the No BS Direct Marketing Book by Dan Kennedy, and I'm going to be giving this book away to one lucky listener, and all you have to do is go to SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash 50 K contest and that's five zero K for fifty thousand five zero K contest and go to the bottom of that page and comment and tell me uh, one good thing you've picked up from one of the interviews or tell me one of your favorite moments from uh, one of my shows and that's all you have to do in order to be uh, uh, considered for the drawing. And I will be picking a winner and announcing it on Friday, uh, September 25th. All right. So with all that said, let's get out to our interview. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show, Carissa Hendricks. Hailing from Calgary, Carissa is a variety entertainer who for the past 10 years has professionally performed magic, sideshow, circus, and fire acts. She's taken her act all around Canada and the world. She's been featured in Ripley's Believe It or Not, Vegas Strip Search, and the Guinness Book of World Records, where she holds the record for the longest duration fire torch teething. She's a skilled entertainer with a wide uh, range of talents, which also includes artistic director for Ballyhoo Entertainment, where she crafts and designs custom entertainment options for corporate and special events. She's a trusted authority in fire eating and teaches on the subject via her blog at firepedia.com. Let's just say that she's not the sort of person I'd like to happen across in a dark alley. Carissa <laughs> Hendricks, I'm uh, I'm fired up to have you as a guest on the Successful Performer Cast. Thank you for being here today. You're very welcome. 
So uh, we start off uh, the show here with a little bit of inspiration, and uh, I'd like to know, do you have a favorite success quote or a specific mantra that you live by? Oh, absolutely. So um, I really enjoyed, uh, you sent the questions ahead of time, and Mm -hmm. it was nice because I think, you know, I've been jumping from uh, other people's quotes for the last few few years, you know, right. something that inspires me here that gives direction. But it was nice to um, to kind of make up my own. And so for me, uh, this is a mantra that I kind of live my life by, uh, but it's also the, the motivation for my company. Um, mm. And the idea is a generous spirit, authentic relationships, and consistent, considered, and complete work, um, wow. which is just sort of the way that, that we craft things. So for me, what that means is that uh, in, in our business dealings, but it also obviously translates into my life. If we're not working with a client who is going to put me in a position to be generous, like if, that, if that's a client that you know wants too much from us or is hard to work with, then we're not going to be able to go beyond for them because I don't like them. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and that also comes down to being authentic. If if we need to work together and I need to um, be kind to them and be a professional, if they've been. A, ch- a challenge and maybe a little bit impolite or whatever, then it, it's going to be hard. So the, you know, those two things are there to, to remind me what my goals are and to empower me to fire clients when necessary. <laughs> Sometimes it is necessary, isn't it? it? I think it is. I don't think people do that enough. They don't, people don't feel empowered to, um, to just walk away from a show that either they're, they're not the most appropriate for or that the client is uh, not well suited to them. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes me think of the uh, the red rope policy that uh, I think it's Michael Port talks about in his book. Mm, ab- yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, and can, can you do me a favor and repeat that mantra one more time? Generous spirit, authentic relationships, and consistent, considered, and complete work. Mm, that's that's good because uh, especially the last part because it, it, it really uh, it, it really seems to you know. Evoke the thought of uh, just really careful consideration of of all you're doing and kind of making sure that there are no pieces missing, that you're looking at the bigger picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, dead on. Very well read. Um, And I think for me, I I went to art school. And so my background is trying to create, like really thinking of entertainment as a form of art. Mm -hmm. Uh, And recently I started thinking about this idea because when I was in high school, we were given this challenge to write a paper because um, I did advanced placement English about the difference between art and entertainment. And honestly, that question has been plaguing me for 10 years. <laughs> and only recently from this mantra have I figured out that for me, um, entertainment is just art in the pursuit of joy. Hmm. So it helps for me to think about my performances and even, you know, even the theatrical, uh, you know, clumpy performances we build for corporate entertainment as a, a form of art. Mm-hmm. And art should be considered. Yeah, yeah. So could you take a moment and kind of give us the the backstory on uh, Carissa Hendricks? Talk about how you went into performing full time and, you know, kind of how that played out for you. Yeah, for sure. So um, the transition from, you know, part time to full time was really forever ago Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, to the point now where, you know, the idea of having a normal person job um, I don't. E- I don't even know what that would look like for me. I don't. I don't think I'm capable of doing yeah. that. What, what, what did you do? <laughs> but the only really normal person job I had was uh, I was the uh, I was at a juice bar. I worked mm-hmm. at a juice bar for about six months in nice. high school, and then I was a, a preschool teacher and a um, program director for Boys and Girls Club in Canada. Mm-hmm. 
and I was a drama coach for a private school, and and a, and I, I helped do a, a class on creative writing, and that's it. Those are all the normal people jobs I've ever had. <laughs> um, there you go. So for me, what happened was that I'd been uh, I'd been in high school and I'd been a very quiet girl, and uh, I kind of had like one small group of friends. And then I I got very sick, and uh, it, it was a it was a type of illness that is quite visibly obvious. I ended up with sores on my face. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, it's a really uh, quick way to get ostracized. <laughs> I, I bet. So um, even after that healed, uh, you know, nobody wanted to hang out with me, which is you know whatever. That's fine. I looked gross. Cool. So uh, it, it became obvious to me that the only way I was going to have any kind of social life, and that's always been important to me to have community, was if I went and found it outside of school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I talked to some of my teachers who I was, I've always been very grateful and lucky and my teachers have been genuinely interested in me and uh, my progress. Mm-hmm. And they encouraged me to join some volunteer organizations, which I did, and very quickly went from, you know, running or in the youth volunteer corps at my school to then running that to then becoming uh, on the steering committee for the city to then being on the national youth advisory council to then being one of the uh, programmers for the international youth volunteerism conference um, and it happened very fast wow yeah but i think it's i think i'm just very well suited to that that kind of work um, but the nice thing about being in that position is that you get to pick what you want to do in terms of a, as a youth volunteer. And, and I mostly wanted to work in theater mm-hmm. uh, because it was, it was fun to us and to, you know, do backstage management and things like that. And I, I had been obsessed with magic growing up and I always loved variety entertainment, um, but I was never encouraged to pursue it because I was a good writer. And so there was this idea that it's like, oh, you're going to be a teacher. You're going to be a writer. Do, do that. Don't, don't do magic. <laughs> Um, something normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do something. We would like to be able to feed yourself, mm-hmm. uh, which is a reasonable request. And so I, w- I remember being at a show and I was helping out and I was, you know, standing on the wings, getting ready to help out and move props. And I saw this gentleman perform and it was an amazing act. And he did sword swallowing and fire eating. And it was just, it was amazing. And I'd never seen anything like that. And he was funny. And uh, I thought, wow, this magician is incredible. I can't figure out anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so after the show, I, you know, I built up my little fifteen-year-old confidence. Walk up to him and I said, "Wow, uh, that's the most amazing magic act I've ever seen." And he uh, laughed at me unapologetically because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't magic; it was sideshow, and it, yeah. it was all real, all of it. Um, and and I I needed to know. I just needed to know how to do it. I couldn't. That was it. I just needed to know. And so he taught me a little bit, and then I was self-taught a little bit. And then luckily I lived in a city with a bunch of amazing professionals who slowly took me under their wing. Um, But, I mean, like, even in that moment, that just became this interesting hobby. Uh, But what was kind of catalyzed it is that a a year later when I was 16, I got kicked out of the house. Mm. And I didn't have a way of making enough money to take care of myself. And so I had – I was working at a juice bar. And – through my connection with youth volunteerism, I ended up also, you know, doing gigs on the side as a 16-year-old girl, fire eating at these shows and, you know, 50 bucks a pop, but that's, that's money. And, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, but still, this is not a career. This is just a, a thing I do. And mm-hmm. so then got into teaching, um, got into program directing, got these jobs, was doing really well. And hit this point where I realized I, you know, I'd been doing, I'd been working myself to death. I, I was doing uh, what was almost a full time job as a teacher, 
and what was almost a full-time job as a performer, and I had to pick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided I was going to be a teacher. That made sense, and that's what I thought I should do. And so I, I walked into the office, and they, uh, they knew I was struggling with this choice. And I walked into the office for my one-year review, and I sat down with my program director, and I was like, yeah, I want to be here. I, I believe in this work. I want to be here. And uh, she said, great. We, you know, we, love, we believe in you. We, we want to start you know, giving you more responsibility. And all I need to know, I'll never forget this, all I need to know is where do you see yourself in five years? And I burst out into tears. Because uh, that's not where I saw myself. I didn't belong there. Yeah. Um, so, and that was it. And so I quit. And then I, that was, I was 20, 22, I think. And I quit. And I've been full-time ever since. Uh, and I've never looked back. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now, who, who was, do you remember who that, uh, first sideshow entertainer you saw was? I, here's the thing is that I think it was, uh, Spade, who was a sideshow guy out of, out of, um, Europe. We'd mm-hmm. been in Calgary at the time, but I, I looked at the, cause I'm working on a documentary right now about me and I looked him up and I don't know that that was who it was, but that's in my memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in my old school memory, it was that guy, and he was this old European um, side show guy for the who, for the record, did everything wrong, and so mm-hmm. everything he taught me later had to be unlearned. Uh, <laughs> he did, yeah, he did everything the hard way. It was oh, the, the way I would say it for sideshow because in sideshow, it's like you know, not to give anything away, but there is it's real, but there yeah. there are ways to make it easier on yourself. Uh, and he subscribed to none of those ways. <laughs> oh my gosh! No pain, no gain, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> wow, and I, I know exactly what what you're talking about because uh, I, I recently, you know, picked up balloon twisting and stuff again uh, personally, and um, you know, so so I can uh, um, you know add that add that to my offerings and stuff as well. But because uh, I, I hadn't done it for a while, and you know, I was. I, I had to relearn things because the way I taught was absolutely wrong. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I couldn't <laughs> even believe it. I've been doing it wrong all these years. And now that I know this uh, other specific technique for for uh, for twisting balloons, it, it's just so much easier, which uh, which I don't know <laughs> is uh, it, it was kind of a kind of a face palm moment, you know, <clears throat> <laughs> now I'm curious. Like my first thing you said that was like, maybe I'm twisting balloons wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we, I, I suppose we can go into that a little bit later, but, uh, well, with, uh, with the twisting, I, I was, I was taught to, uh, to twist forward and then twist back and twist oh. forward and twist back to alternate. But really you should just go like one way and that locks, mm-hmm. uh, all of the previous bubbles or whatever in place. And it's, it's like simple physics. It's like, come okay. on, man. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, that's a game changer right there. <laughs> yeah. H- had you been taught the incorrect way too? No, no. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> no, I just doubt myself. That's where it's coming from. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. So now you, uh, uh, previous to our, our getting on Skype here, you gave me a short list of things uh, that you say contributed to your success. So I'd like to kind of go through those um, uh, for this portion. And the, the first thing um, – uh, about how you started out, you, you mentioned that you started out with a, a wide pool of knowledge in in loosely related fields. Could you talk about how that came together in uh, in you deciding that what you wanted to do for performance wise? Oh, absolutely. So um, before I even got inter- that interested in entertainment, 
um, as a, because my goal was to be a writer, there was already a lot of support for me to, to learn a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I had a lot of interest in science. I had interest in comedy writing. I'd been studying a lot about comedy writing, um, writing screenplays, uh, that kind of thing. And so I already had that pool of knowledge. And then when I got into entertainment, it only made sense to continue to pursue that, this idea that, you know, there, you might as well know a lot about a lot of things. So when I got into Sideshow, I learned as much about Sideshow as I could. And then I learned about geek magic, which was related to Sideshow. And then I learned about doing fire performance. And then once I got into fire performance, learning poi, then I learned hoop and fan and, and dragon stuff. I, I mean, I don't know dragon stuff right now, but I will. I will because it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, all these, all these different things. And then, um, at the time in, in high school, I, I was studying visual art as well. And, and, uh, there came a time when it made sense for me to go to college. And, uh, if, you know, I, my options were I could go and become an actor or I could study visual art. And I felt like I would get a lot more out of, um, out of that. Cause at the time I wasn't talking a lot in my show. And I really thought of it as this performative painting, uh, and so then I studied art for a, a bunch of years in college. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I think in every area, I'm, I mean, I'm, I read very broadly, uh, I study entertainment very broadly mm-hmm. and, uh, e- even, even my artistic pursuits, you know, I, I can do design I'm, I can draw, um, I can do video editing and, and some stuff like that. Like I, I just, I like to know how to do all the things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, um. So you you went to school for for art. Is that uh, what kind of teacher you were going to be as well? An art teacher, or yeah, I think I, I wanted to teach uh, art and creative writing. I think I wanted to. Okay. I think that was the goal. Um, it's all very fuzzy now because yeah. <laughs> we we slowly rewrite the past uh, with details from the future. Um, but yeah, I think that's true. I think that that's where I saw myself. Considering when I was when I did get that fancy job at the private school, I was teaching creative writing and drama and a little bit of circus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. I I was watching some of your videos, and I have to say, I I really enjoy your uh, your parasol act, where you get a guy up there and and uh, <laughs> have him help you out. <laughs> and, thank you. Yeah, just the the interaction between you and and your guest up there on stage is just hilarious. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you so much. That means a lot. I've, that freaking routine took so long <laughs> to figure out. Um, oh God. So oh, I'm man. glad you like it because apparently it was worth it. Yeah, and absolutely, especially since you said at first you didn't even start off talking, you know, and and then upstage with uh, or on stage there with you with you and and the guy you get up there, just the banter back and forth and 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 making him do all of these ridiculous things. Yet <laughs> it's in good humor, and you're you're clearly not. Uh, you know, poking fun at, at him or anything, but you know, you're, you're having fun together. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I wrote that specifically to be, uh, I guess I do a lot, a lot of corporate mm-hmm. to do, to be a, a CEO piece. Cause what oh, I notice okay. is in a lot of companies, um, people aren't, they're, they're, the CEO is going to enjoy the show. He's a person just like anyone else, mm-hmm. but nobody wants to, to laugh. Um, if the CEO's not laughing. And so a lot of the time they'll, they'll, you know, especially if you do edgier jokes, which sometimes they do. Mm -hmm. And so that piece was developed to bring up, you bring up the CEO, you put him in front of everyone, you make sure he's having a good time. But also it's a good time for everyone else because this high status person is being put in this position. Uh, And uh, yeah, and so as as much as I love that routine in that environment, which the video you saw was probably at the Chicago Cabaret, Mm -hmm. Magic Cabaret, um, it it kills at corporate (laughs) when it's somebody everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. 
Wow, that's awesome. Now, is that something you use for the closer then, or? No, I open with it oh, so okay. that I can more crowd. Yeah. Okay, and that makes sense because then it kind of uh, eases everybody else in the audience after they've, um, you know, become c- come more of an, a, a human level with their CEO. Yeah, exactly. So. And they see him having a good time, even even in this weird circumstance. And so I, you know, it warms up the room for me, and then I can I can do my magics. <laughs> Perfect. All yeah. right. So the the second thing you you mentioned was hiring a full time assistant. Now, are we talking a personal assistant or like a stage assistant? First off, yes, to all of the above. She has both. <laughs> She's great. <laughs> all right, so let's uh, let's talk about that. Okay, so um, I mean, I I would really love to have a second assistant at this point, but uh, very early on in my career, mm-hmm. I uh, I read the Four Hour Work Week, which is a fantastic book, mm-hmm. and it is. Yeah. Oh my God, that guy. And so it, uh, it empowered me to get a virtual assistant, but for entertainment, that's not a super, cause we work in the physical realm. Yeah. Um, and so it didn't make sense. And it, the, my first two virtual assistants I hired were great. Uh, but I didn't get a, a ton out of them. And so then I hired, um, I hired a, a, a girl I knew and she worked with me for a little while and she was lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, but I didn't know how to properly utilize her talent. So over the last few years, I've been I, I've been learning a lot from hiring assistants um, mm-hmm. because you know it's my job to empower them and to manage them and to make sure that they have the tools they need to be successful. And so now, about a year ago, I hired uh, my current assistant Sarah, and she and I I, I found out what my groove is <laughs> with assistants. Uh, but hopefully she'll never leave me. <laughs> um, right. Because she's great. Um, but I, what I did was I hired somebody who wanted what I had accomplished. And so I was able to sit down with her and go, okay, so for me, I see this as an opportunity for you to mentor under me. I'm still going to pay you, obviously. Right. Uh, but I, I want you to feel empowered to ask me questions about how I read things or to ask me to teach you a skill. If you want to learn how to do balloon animals, I'll teach you. If you want to learn how to eat fire, I'll teach you. Whatever you want. I will teach you. I will give you material. Whatever, whatever you need to succeed, let's work on that together. And that will be some of what we do. And then the other bit of what we do is that I want you to feel empowered to make my life better. Mm-hmm. So if you see an organizational system that I've created that is dumb, uh, fix it. Mm-hmm. And you know you don't even really have to check in with me at a certain point because I trust you to to do it well. And so um, we took our full time. I think last. Christmas, I want to say. I don't remember. Hmm. But until then, she was part-time, and now she's on salary. Oh, wow. Uh, which is great, because uh, she's, you know, I felt bad for her for a while, because, you know, she didn't know how much work she was going to get with, with me, and now I can guarantee that you know, she can, she's got horses, so she can have yeah. her horses, and she, that's a reliable job for her. She doesn't have to have other work. Um, but it also means that I have her attention, and when she comes over to work with me, you know, she she can see all the aspects of the company that I can't see uh, because I am the company. <laughs> right. So it's, in, it's incredibly valuable. And, and also the thing is, is that an assistant's not very expensive. Um, here at Magic Live, I, I talk to a lot of people who are way more successful than I am, like, mm-hmm. you know, in, infinitely almost more successful than I am. And I'm shocked by how many of them are overworked and they don't enjoy their life because they have to do these things. Uh, that they don't enjoy. And I sit down with them and I go, okay, so, you know, how much do you charge? And you know, anywhere between 
$150 to, you know, $1,000 an hour, mm -hmm. great, okay. And so how much do you think it would cost you to have someone else do your dishes and organize your costumes and do your bookkeeping and, and, and? Uh, because you're worth $1,000 an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so if an assistant is going to be, you know, half that price, a quarter of that price, but, you know, would in reality it's a, a tiny fraction of that price, um, then you're cheating yourself by you know, using your $1,000 hours to do the dishes. Mm -hmm. Now, how did you come to the, uh, the realization that you needed an assistant? Oh, my goodness. This is such a good failure story. So I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had, I mean, mostly my first, the first couple of assistants I hired, mostly because I read that book and I was like, I want to see if I can manage this person. Um, and then I toured a lot. Okay. And uh, I got back into town. And I had settled in with my company. I had got a lot of media attention. And I couldn't keep up. I couldn't keep up with the interviews. I couldn't keep up with the requests for booking. I couldn't keep up with any of it. And, uh, and I just I couldn't answer emails fast enough. And I, mm -hmm. couldn't, um, I couldn't prep stuff. And I felt like my shows were getting sloppy. And I wasn't proud of my work. And it was getting to me. Mm-hmm. And I, so I took a look at it, and I took a look at the last two weeks of emails, and I realized that in that two weeks of emails, I had lost $2,500 worth of work, five gigs. Wow. And, uh, and then I put an ad out that night, because <laughs> yeah. that's it. I mean, the truth is, I, I'm, I'm the most valuable product my company has to sell right now. I'm not the only product. We, we do lots, but... Mm. Uh, but the truth is, is because it's my company, I am the most valuable product we sell. And if I'm busy, you know, the time has to come from somewhere. And I've only got, I mean, my personal life is already such a sliver of my existence. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot to take from there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's got to come out of answering emails or, or doing a good job with clients or doing a good job in my show. And those are things I'm not comfortable compromising on. Right. Okay. Okay. So at that point you'd put out an ad. Um, how did you, how did you pick, uh, who you have right now? Or, well, I, I guess, uh, um, okay. I, I, I don't want to ask, uh, how you picked who, who you had at the moment because you've, you've, uh, clearly evolved and, and figured out what you specifically need for, for a personal assistant. So if you were looking for another one right now, what kind of things w would you be looking for? Okay. Well, I think one, one of the most valuable things I could do is help people figure out how to interview for assistance. Okay. Uh, and what I would recommend is first, don't just, don't just interview your friends. I mean, yeah, put the ad out on Facebook because then you're going to get people who are in related industries. Um, but I also sent that ad to, uh, to colleges. Um, I sent it through the dance community. I sent it through the puppeteering community. Anybody who is a part of a related field who might be interested. Mm -hmm. And I think that was uh, film, film industry, people who get it. Um, wrote a very clear job description, which was good homework for me to to see that, oh, well, they, oh, I need them to do this. Oh, and this, and this, and this, and this, which is, I think is really important because I know for me, I've helped out in a lot of projects where I haven't got any job description and that was not very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, giving, giving your assistant an opportunity to succeed to begin with is great. Uh, and then the other really smart thing I did, which I would highly recommend, was that I brought someone with me who understood my business, um, but did not care as much as I did. Mm -hmm. 
and could not be as easily swayed. Because there was a girl that we interviewed who was lovely, and I almost went with her. Uh, and then I had brought my friend Colette out with me, and Colette is very professional, very great. And she mentioned that this girl was lovely, but she felt that her phone etiquette would not be appropriate for what I needed. Mm. Uh, and I hadn't even thought of that um, because I hadn't put it in my job description. So if, if I was going to go get an assistant again, I would uh, advertise to a very wide pool. I would create a really well-written job description. Uh, and I would bring someone I trusted to help keep me focused on hiring somebody, not just that I got along with, but also that genuinely had the credentials to do what I needed them to do. Right. Okay. Now, what are some of the things that your assistant that you have right now does for you? Well, because now we've been working together for a year, mm -hmm. uh, she, part of what she does is just anticipates my needs. Okay. Uh, which is type of magic that you it takes a while to get to. Yeah, you've uh, got a good rapport with each other. Yeah, she's lovely. But what she mostly does is we have a schedule where on Mondays, because, you know, gigs are mostly on the weekends. Mm -hmm. um, very rarely gig on Monday. I think that's pretty common. Uh, we have, part of what we do is we have very elaborate costumes. And uh, my props have a very specific aesthetic. And that aesthetic means that they tend to be fragile. Mm -hmm. So we spend Mondays fixing and stuff, putting things away, cleaning things, cleaning the glass. Um, making sure there's no chips in anything, making sure there's no sand in anything, mm -hmm. cleaning all the costumes, steaming them, and putting them away. So that by the time I wake up Tuesday morning, everything is reset as if I didn't have any gigs at all. Hmm. And I did not know how incredibly valuable that was until she went away for a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and the stuff just completely piled up. Oh, wow. um, she also, so I have a, a workshop um, where I design like magic and things like that. And, uh, the other thing she does is that she manages that space, which I also didn't realize how valuable that would be because what I tend to do is I'll start a project and I will tire of it or I will get onto another project and I'll start that project. Mm -hmm. So what she does is she comes in and she takes whatever I'm working on and she all the things in it that are uh, applicable to other projects like you know the glue gun and the, you know, the drill, she'll put those away and she'll make sure that there's any, any things that I use or stock, so any of the glue or things like that, that there's still some, and if not, she makes them, she goes and picks more up. And then she takes that project and she puts them on the shelf um, with all the components I was working on it so that it doesn't damage my startup capital. If I want to work on that again, I can just pull it out and start working on it. Mm -hmm. But now I have a clean space to work on a new idea. Right. Uh, and it stays on the shelf for a couple of weeks, and then after a couple of weeks, she'll check in with me and go, hey, are you still working on that, or does that go into like long-term creative storage? And then we have a different area somewhere else where there are boxes of things that I, I ignored for a couple of months. And it's just really nice because it keeps me focused. And, and she has an inventory of my ideas because she'll, she'll sit down and she'll talk to me about, okay, what was this? What, the, what was it that you were trying to accomplish here? And then we'll write out what the trick was. Uh, and then she'll label the box and then that goes into my notes. And so now if in 10 years I go, oh, yeah, I had this idea where I could make a, an ice cube, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, can, I have a searchable database. Mm -hmm. that is maintained by somebody else, um, which means that it's actually well explained. Because I think a lot of us performers, we go, oh, I had this idea. You wake up in the middle of the night, you write toothpick <laughs> shower down on a piece of paper, and you forget about it. And then six months later, you look at it and you go, what is a toothpick shower? How, what trick is that? And then it's gone forever. Yeah. And it's devastating because at the time, you thought it was so good, you woke up from your great night's sleep and found a pen and wrote it down. And now all you have is this weird sentence that makes no sense to anyone. <laughs>
Oh man, that's that's pretty crazy. Now you said uh, she's also kind of um, you, you you hired her because she's also kind of uh, on the same path that you were in that she's like interested in magic and or, or performing and stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, and I I think the best thing is that you know I I've been interested in magic. I've been interested in sideshow. Yes. Uh, comedy, but really, mm-hmm. what I'm interested in is I'm interested in, in creating entertaining work. Right. Um, you know, I don't. I'm not so bothered by what that work entails. I, I consider myself an entertainer, and and whatever it takes for it to accomplish that is ancillary. Um, if I can just stand there and and if I could shake keys at an audience, and that would be the best entertainment value, <laughs> I would just do that. Right. Um, try and find a way to make it fun for me too. But that I mean, that's that's my goal. And she's the same way. Where you know she likes magic and she likes sideshow she likes all these things and so uh, I, I enjoy mentoring her because I feel like um, she she's it's very easy for me to be like okay so read this book on comedy writing and also this book on children's entertainment and also this and she doesn't feel overwhelmed because she's on the same path that I was on mm-hmm. okay okay and the, the reason I asked that is uh, because I, I wanted to find out if if uh, possibly she she helps you creativity or creativity creatively as well when you're trying to come up with new bits or or uh, different things for your show do you guys brainstorm together and and come up with things as well or yeah, more and more actually. Um, what, I, what I think I've really enjoyed about working with with Sarah in terms of creative writing is that when I have her at a gig, stage managing, mm-hmm. uh, often she'll. What was that joke she did recently? We were premiering a new illusion, and uh, and she said something backstage about how you know premiere is just a fancy way of saying I've never done it before. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then and then that line ended up in the show. And it killed. Like I, I I you know I cleaned it up so it would be in my voice. But she's really observant that way. She's a She's incredibly good at noticing what is interesting about a certain situation. Um, and so we, we don't do a ton of formal writing together at the moment, but, we're, you know, I would be super interested in it because she's just she's very talented. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you looking to improve your act, make a better connection with your audience, and get the responses that you want? Then you need Richard Rebuffo's Acting for Magicians. Pop Hayden, winner of seven awards from the Academy of Magical Arts, says that he highly recommends Acting for Magicians and thinks it should be an essential addition to your magic library. Acting for Magicians will teach you how to build a character, connect with your audience, write scripts, come up with new and innovative routines for tricks that you already own, stage your act, project your voice, and motivate you to be the magician that you've always aspired to be. If you're in the area, you can receive an autographed copy by attending the Magic Castle Swap Meet on Saturday, September 12th, and visiting Richard's Table. Mention the successful performer cast, and you'll receive $5 discount on the book, which normally sells for $20. And if you're not in Southern California attending the Swap Meet, you too can receive an autographed copy with a $5 discount by visiting actingformagicians.com slash podcast. This is an exclusive offer for performer cast listeners only. This episode is also brought to you by ManageGigs.com, which allows you to manage all of your customers, gigs, set lists, and more. ManageGigs was not built on a generic CRM system like other tools. It was built for entertainers by entertainers from the ground up. It's got all of the features you need, none of the features you don't, and it's 100% web-based. Check them out at ManageGigs.com. 
Also, Manage Gigs is looking for a small group of working performers to put this product through its paces and help determine the next set of features to add to the system. So, visit managegigs.com beta to sign up for your chance to be a part of the beta program. Now, let's get back to that interview. Now, uh, when we first started talking about uh, your hiring assistants, uh, that came out of of uh, you doing a lot of press and uh, and and getting seen, and then all of a sudden this flood of inquiries and 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 uh, show interest came to you that you couldn't handle. Did uh, did all of that come about from like press releases or what? Uh, how did all that happen? Yep, press releases are the best. Um, uh, yeah, I, I find that a lot of my success could be attributed to being very good at writing press releases, uh, which I think is a skill performers don't have because it's, it's like magic to us. We go, oh, you hire a publicist mm-hmm. and then dot, dot, dot success. Uh, but you don't recognize that, okay, well, let's, let's talk about what that person is actually responsible for doing. I mean, really what a publicist does that you quote unquote can't do is that they're way better at writing press releases than you. They know who's going to be interested in you because they have authentic relationships with those people. Um, and if you care enough to take the time to, you know, read trade magazines and, and find out who's interested in what you do, you, I mean, you can do that for yourself, not nearly as effectively as somebody else because that person's doing that full time. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you get started, it's, it's quite easy to, to get a lot of attention um, if you just know what they want. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, so how, how did, what, what did you do to, uh, to all of a sudden start getting, uh, getting noticed from them? Um, how, how did you go about start starting to, to get these, to, to write these press releases and, and all that? Uh, well, I'm, I, again, I come from a community that's very generous. The nice uh-huh. thing about living in, in Calgary in Alberta is that oil, gas, money, However you feel about that, uh, it does provide the arts with an opportunity to do a lot more because there is more money than anybody knows what to do with, uh, and they're very happy to throw it at funny people who can make mm-hmm. them laugh. Um, so there's not a lot of competition. It's not in my experience, in my area. There's a lot of collaboration because the truth is that if, if a new magician moved into my – actually, this happened at Magic Life. I ran into – this great magician, and he's mostly a hobbyist, but he does very good walk arounds. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I didn't feel at all threatened by him. The first thing I said was, "Would would you be comfortable doing a walk around gig if I'm in a pinch? I know you're not full time, but I think you're really talented, and I love your style, and I would love to hire you." Because the truth is, is that I don't have enough of those. Yeah. The amount of times I have to turn down work because everybody's booked is ridiculous. <laughs> um, and so. Because of that, it's a very generous environment, and it was very easy for me to sit down with a lot of people and go, okay, so how do you write your press releases, and how do you write your press releases? And, and uh, they were actually sending me ones that were very successful, and I noticed a trend. Mm-hmm. And the trend I noticed was two things. One, that person had something to offer, which was, uh, for me, because I'm a fire eater, hi, I will come and eat fire on your show. Mm-hmm. Or I, you can come do a photo shoot of me eating fire. You can, you know, something visual that has an impact, something that's going to look good on the front page. Uh, and we're entertainers, so we're a huge advantage. Uh, and then the other thing is because I'm a writer, I can write press releases that are pretty much finished articles, which is, you know, kind of what you want to do. You yeah. want to write an, a press release that has 
all the content they need, all the sound bites they need. I mean, I write press releases that have quote from me, even though the whole thing is a quote from me because I wrote the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, but there, you know, there were specific sound bites and quotes. Um, and so often what that means is that someone can have this press release sitting around and go, oh, well, I've, you know, I'm in a pinch. And they've got a finished article ready to go with all the content that they need. Um, and then more recently, what I learned was that, and this kind of happened by accident, was that I, you know, someone would interview me and I would really enjoy working with them. And then I would add them on Twitter or whatever or Facebook. And then we would maintain a relationship. And so now I have a network of people who have worked with me before or what I've started doing is that if I, I read a lot and if I see an article I like, I like how it's written or if I if it's related to the industry or something, then I will go out of my way to contact that person and let them know precisely and honestly. I'm not, I mean, again, authentic relationships. Mm-hmm. Very, very truly what I enjoyed about their article. Because uh, I know I like when people do that about my work. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'll add them. And then something, ha- I mean, I, I don't even have to write as many press releases now because I post something on Facebook and one of those guys contacts me and goes, hey, I noticed you're doing this parasol thing. Uh, <laughs> how did, what's that about? Can I, you know, can I come shoot that and, and then I'm in a position to go yeah no I'd, I'd love to and here's the visual thing about that and here's the story behind it or go hey yeah I'd love to uh, but I don't know if that's a great story however right now I'm working on the show in Vegas and that's a great story and now you know now we're up up and away um, but I just I think it's important that as entertainers we we recognize that everything we need to be successful is in our own hands mm-hmm. uh, and that's never been true before there's been a, you know it's been centuries and centuries of gatekeepers and it's, it's just not as much how it is anymore. Um, if you want to do well, you can write your own press releases. You can build your own websites with easy tools online and things like that. And, you know, if, if something's not working out, it's because you're not Googling the right things. <laughs> wow. Okay. So the the first thing you said that a press release needs to have is something to offer. Like you said, uh, they, they could take pictures of you eating fire or you can eat fire on their show or, or whatever. What are some of the other things that need to be in a press release? Oh, so I think uh, sort of a, a unique selling proposition would be the way to put it. So, for example, I just wrote a press release for a, a, an artist I work with who I adore who went and did the World Body Paint Competition in Austria. Mm-hmm. And I, when I looked at her press release, it didn't include the exclusivity of that event and how only 150 people from all over the world were even allowed to compete and how, uh, you know, the rounds were so intense and how it would be eight hours of painting a day. And, you know, she didn't she looked glossed over all of the things about that competition that make it interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I think you need to take some seconds. Take a step back. Look at what you do. I mean, if you do card manipulation and the story behind what you do is that it takes it genuinely takes you five hours a day. That's interesting to people. That's an interesting human interest story. Um, if if you've done card tricks so much that you have carpal tunnel syndrome, you know, that's also interesting. <laughs> it's sad. That's a bad thing. Don't do that. But right. uh, makes for a good story. And so I think you need to be a little introspective and figure out what's going. On. But you also need to have the you know, the, the distance from that kind of stuff to have it not affect, you know, you don't, nobody wants to read a press release that's like, I'm doing this show and it's the best show because I wrote it and I'm a genius and mm-hmm. everybody thinks I'm a genius and you should love me because, because everybody does. Like, no, that's, you know, that line between bragging and, and offering some kind of value to the, to the person writing the article. Okay. Okay. So, so, uh, it's, it's not just, uh, 
I, I perform every Sunday night at Anna Kappa Brewing Company in, in Ventura, California. And, uh, so it's, it's, it's not just like this is what I do or whatever, but you, you want to try and find an interesting hook or, or something, uh, something to humanize it and to catch people's attention then and kind totally. of make it a story. Yes, exactly. And you know what? If you don't have a hook, like let's use your example. Your example is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, something that's going on going on all the time is great because mm-hmm. it, it's something they can sink their teeth into. But why now? Why write the article now? What's happening now? And so how about now? I mean, everybody's got something interesting that's going on in their lives. So I do this show every week. But now my friend is sick and so we're doing a fundraiser or, or now – I've decided to throw away all my material and start over, and so now I'm going to do this thing. Or there's so much, you know, if you don't, if there's no story, if you look at what you're doing and there's no story, mm-hmm. then make a story. I mean, you have full control of your life. You can do interesting things. Figure, what would you want to read about? Do the thing that you would want to read about, and then send them a press release, and they'll they'll write it. Okay. Now, who do you send the press releases to? Mm. That is an excellent question. So, um. I think a lot of people, yeah, don't know where to send them to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can really send them kind of anywhere. Just ask. Um, when you get started, you're going to have nothing. You're going to have no idea. And so what you want to do is look up the papers that you read or, or the trade magazines you read or the places you like mm-hmm. and find out where the general dump is. Like Where can you send them that you know the editor is going to see? And call ahead and go, hey, is there a specific format? Do you need anything? Whatever they need, you keep track of that. You keep track of those emails. Step one. That's going to take a little while. Those are your, that's your batch. That's, everybody's going to get that. Okay. Then all those contacts that you've made, all those people you've worked with or you know, those articles you've read of people that you really like, you message those people and you say, hey, you know, Daniel, I really like your article, blah, blah, blah. You compliment him. And then a few weeks later, not in that email because don't be that guy, yeah. um, you, you, know, you kept track of the fact that this is, a, this is a guy who writes for a, something. And you message him and go, hey, I'm working on this thing. Don't, you, know, you can give him maybe a one-sentence worth of detail, but they're usually busy, so don't, don't write a mini press release. Yeah. Just, hey, I'm doing this one-sentence thing. Um, I'd like to get a little bit of coverage. What would you recommend? And he's probably going to give you his personal email address, the email address of his department, and the email address of his editor. And now you've got three more contacts. And if you do that for every single person you've been paying attention to, you're going to have a very nice-looking media list. And you send it to all those people in one format, in one bulk email. And then you follow up with those people. You give them a phone call. Hey, did you get it? I just wanted to make sure you got it. Is there anything you need? I just want to let you know that I'm available Monday through Thursday at you know from 2 a.m. to 4 p.m. doing card tricks at blah, blah, blah. And if you come, I'm, you know, I'm happy to, to show you something for, for film or get a photo or whatever you need. Um, this is the, these are the times. You know, give them specific times to, to come and do stuff because they're going to want to schedule that with their camera guy. And if they know when you're available up front, it's much more likely to happen. Okay, okay. All right. So uh, – and the, the, the cool thing is uh, today, I mean it's, it's, not, it's, it's not just uh, um, specific to papers or periodicals, but we have people who are, who are writing blogs and, and different things uh, which are local to, to communities and things like that as well. So kind of the, uh, the pool and the, uh, you know, the, the different resources available in that aspect has, has kind of uh, gotten a lot bigger as well. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean yourself as well. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I have, I've been listening to your podcast for a while actually, but never <laughs> thought to send you anything. Um, but you would have been just as viable a person to be like, hey, I'm doing this thing. I'm going to send it to you. What do you think? Right. Uh, 
yeah, definitely thinking outside the box and, and going into new media would be very valuable, which I'm only realizing this very second. So we all, we're all <laughs> learning something. <laughs> Write that down. Media. Oh, man. Well, hey, there you go. <laughs> So uh, if if you didn't get anything at all from this interview, it would be that right there, right? <laughs> yeah, gonna start contacting people in the new media realm in the same way I do for newspapers and television. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, all right. So that that's press releases. Um, could you also take a moment and talk about uh, your approach to Facebook ads because that's another thing that you'd uh, you'd uh, pointed out to me as well. Oh yeah. So. Facebook and Google ads are great. They're, they're a wonderful tool, and I don't think performers utilize them enough, if at all. Um, so, okay, I'm going to tell you a story because I think mm-hmm. that's the best way to, to communicate this. Oh, we yeah. did a show for uh, the Ismali Games in Calgary, and it was awesome, uh, but it was very last minute because we were kind of filling a, a programming schedule. We did their finale, and it, it was great. Uh, but uh, we, our logo wasn't up on the screen. We weren't in the program. Uh, there wasn't a lot of a value out of it, and we, they didn't pay very well because they don't have a lot of money. We uh, we offered to do it for a reasonable price, so that was our our thing. But I wanted to get some value out of it, and so what we did was we made sure that we took some group photos, mm-hmm. we we took some video, and then I put together a Facebook ad campaign with that aesthetic because people would recognize it, and I was able to using Facebook's ag- algorithm dial it down to basically just the people that would have been at that event. Mm-hmm. So, uh, because advertising is really about touching people a couple of times. So, you saw us perform. Um, you probably thought we were great. Honestly, we did a great job. And uh, and maybe for a brief sec, you thought, oh, I'd love to have them for my fill-in-the-blank. But, but then you forget it ever happened. And then, you know, those Facebook ad things, they don't work if you're just advertising to anybody. But those people are already thinking about you. Yeah, you could target it down. Yeah, and so we targeted it all the way down. We used images that would remind, would definitely show them that we were the same team that they saw before. Um, we linked it to video of that particular show so that even if those people weren't necessarily thinking of booking us, they could re-experience that moment. So now we got, you know, and then we took that traffic and we drove that to fans and turned them into fans. Okay. Um, and so what we're doing is we're doing sort of a three-phase marketing. So first, we're just doing recognition. So we're having those people be like, you know, our thing was, uh, the ad is basically like, we had a great time at this event. Uh, and, you know, click on this link to watch more. And then the next phase um, is based on that community. So, you know, the Ismaili community has certain celebrations that would be appropriate for the things that we do. And so around those celebrations, we're going to do ads targeted to uh, those specific celebrations and the products that we offer that revolve around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's hyper-targeted. Uh, and we can all do that, because how many times has somebody done a gig where they were like, oh, man, I really killed it. I was awesome. And then, and then that's it. That's the end of that's the end. You really killed it, and you were really awesome. And there were 200, 300, 400 people there. And they're part of one group. I mean, they, they're you know, subscribed to one organization, or they work for, they're part of one cultural community or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can target those with Facebook ads and with Google ads. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you go, hey, all these people who are here or people who are similar to the people who are here because, you know, people tend to hang out with like-minded individuals. So if Sam was at your event and his friend Daniel does a similar job, he might have talked to Daniel about you. And so if you pop up on his Facebook feed, he's much more likely to click on it and actually follow through and become a, a qualified lead than somebody who, who you know, has, doesn't know you from a hole in the ground. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, okay. So that that's the the first part is is to get in front of them again. What uh, what were the other uh, moving pieces to to your campaign there? Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, you know, it it makes sense to to if there's no goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think for me, the ads really revolve around back to my mantra of like a generous spirit and authentic relationships. And so even when you the, the ads aren't hire us, the ads are we had a great time, or the ads are. Uh, we love doing this thing, or you know, we're working on this thing. They're they're very you know aspirational, and, and the hope is that people are invited into our process. And even if I'm not finished a, a, a product, I'll start marketing it. But I won't market it as like it's done. It's amazing. I'll market it as I'm having a great time, or I'm lost on this thing, or like I'll post a little bit of a billiard act that I'm working on, and, and be like, oh, I'm, this is the thing, and people can follow the journey. Mm-hmm. And so the goal is to touch people multiple times. But to okay. genuinely touch them. Okay, that sounds pervy. But, you know. Sure, yeah, yeah. To not touch them in the sense of marketing to them and having just brand recognition. But also also let them know that we care about the work we do. And um, we really do see it as art. And having the opportunity to perform it is great. And we would love for them to help facilitate that. So, uh, yeah. So I think for me, like, you know, Facebook, because it, it's a social environment, is a lot more tuned in to uh, creating ads that reflect my mission statement, I guess. is probably I'm trying to figure out how to say this most concisely. Right. <laughs> okay, so so what what you were, were doing with the ad was was to get more people following you and, and liking your page um, and, and uh, really kind of trying to start a conversation around your brand and invite people in to be a part of that as well then as, as they see you're working on, uh, you know, new acts and new routines, they're, they're free to chime in and, and, uh, and interact with you as well. And that kind of, uh, uh, goes together with your, um, authentic, uh, um, uh, relationships and, uh, w- with your audience and stuff. So. Yeah, absolutely. And well, and I think you might notice if if you're on my Facebook mm-hmm. that you know most of the people on there are either performers or clients. Mm-hmm. But I never post something and go, "New show, it's perfect. Let's yeah. all how great I am." It's always, "Hey, I you know you guys have wanted to see this," which is always true. I tend to not post things that people haven't been asking about. Um, and then I'll, something along the lines of like, "I love notes," or "What do you think?" Or mm-hmm. it's you know, have a conversation with me. If you don't like it, that's valid. <sighs> to know i'm not posting this because i want everybody to tell me that my hair looked great i'm posting this because (laughs) i would like people to tell me that it's too long or that you know this worked but this didn't work or or that the finale is in the wrong place um my work's only going to get better if i have the feedback of other people because i think we're we're all very limited we can only do so much in a Mm. vacuum in terms of creating art yeah yeah and another thing is you're staying top of mind uh in the people that uh will hopefully hire you down the line yeah, and I think we really we want to work with our friends. I know that's how I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I will hire. I'll never hire somebody who can't do the job. But the truth is, is that there's a huge range of people who can do the job, and I will usually lean towards the people that are easy to work with, that are fun to hang out with, uh, and that are you know good in a group. Uh, who are my friends? You know, mm-hmm. who who feel like you know, last week before I came to Magic Live, we did this uh, this agricultural fair we do every year. Uh, great clients, great gig, super fun, but it's, it's three days in, in the middle of nowhere. So it's mm-hmm. a, a team of 12 and I made sure it was a team that was really fun. And, and, um, as part of our generous spirit, we, we took everyone to the really super fancy water park at West Edmonton mall before we went. 
And, you know, so we all went on these huge giant water slides together. And, <laughs> that's, that, you know, and you didn't have to come. You could, you could opt out of that, but most people came. And right. if you don't come, you don't get punished by the company. But, but I like that I, I work with a team where I can go, hey, let's all go to the water park. It's on me. It's on the company. And everybody goes, water park! Yay! <laughs> and, That's you, beautiful. <laughs> that was so fun. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the kind of company I want to run. Because I'm sure I'm not the only entertainer that lives, breathes, eats, and sleeps this stuff. So you better love it because mm-hmm. this is all you get. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, uh, uh, what, what, what is the name of your company? Is it Bountiful Entertainment? Okay, okay. So that that's what that is. All right, all right. So uh, uh, that'll be next year's uh, in in the top ten places to work, right in Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that'd be so great. Uh, that'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! All right, so there there is uh, one more thing I'd like to ask you um, in this, and we're we're going to kind of skip one of the uh, um, items on on your list on that. But I wanted to ask you about doing things out of order because that really kind of intrigued me. Oh, of course. So um, this is something I, I I used to do a talk about this when I when I used to um, do do lecture for the circus community, uh, and it was based on because circus and magic are tangentially related, but they have very different processes. You go to a magic convention, you sit in a lecture hall, and people talk at your face, and you're like, wow, you're really good at making cards do stuff. Um, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you go to a circus convention, nobody's sitting down. Everybody's on their feet, and you're touching the balls, and you're, you know, okay, that's out of bed. You're juggling, that's what I meant to say. Exactly, um, right. <laughs> and uh, you're moving around, and you're using your body to learn. Um, and, you know, I was asked to do a lecture, and I, I did a lecture called 10 Steps to Expert Performance, and one of the steps was to do things out of order. And basically, that means for me to, to take a look, to take a step back when you, when you want to accomplish a goal, and to try and, and figure out by asking people or, or you know, reading memoirs of people who have done it, what the steps are. Mm-hmm. And then to really look at it and figure out if those steps are genuinely in the right order for you. So uh, when I first got into entertainment, I I skipped a lot of stuff that I didn't I didn't think applied to me, and uh, and it's been great. So for me, like for example, so you would you would think uh, when you're writing a show, um, the first thing you want to do is you know this. You want to you want to come up with a concept or or a, an audience and figure out what the audience is, and then you want to do this, and then you want to do this, and then you want to do this, and then the last thing you want to do is you want to make the costumes. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. I think that. As long as you got a good list of the steps, please stop obsessing about the fact that those steps are in some kind of hierarchy. They yeah. don't always need to be done in order. And if what I am empowered to do right now is spend 40 minutes designing a costume, then that's what I should do because that's what I care about. And if you care about something, you're going to outperform somebody who doesn't care about them that thing mm-hmm. a, a hundredfold forever. Um, just having the list of what the steps are is going to keep you on track. But I think my background in doing things totally out of order, uh, both in my life and in, in the way I create a show and in the way I run a company, has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, if everybody's doing it a certain way, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way. Uh, you can learn from those people, but, but if, you know, if the first thing you want to do is, is figure out what the message is, and when else that's the last thing, then figure out what the message is. Hmm. Do do it out of order. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the the really beautiful things about the world we live in is that you can find your own pieces to the puzzle and put them together however you want or even just create your own puzzle. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, totally create your own puzzle. The show I'm working on for October mm-hmm. uh, here in Vegas, I, I've already performed pieces of it, um, which seems super out of order. I mean, you know, I, there are... <laughs> There are environments. I'm so lucky because Calgary has a, a bunch of these like fun late night shows where you can go and just fail. Oh. <laughs> um, and so when when the acts were still rough and I needed to know if they played, um, I took big chunks out of that show and I performed them way before we had costumes, before we knew what the what the acts were totally going to be. Yeah. Uh, and for me, that that was what I needed. And and I think if I had been the kind of person that was like, no, you you write it out and then you perform it until you're done and then you go. I would not have the show I have and it wouldn't be as concise or as complete as it is because sometimes you just need to get it on stage mm-hmm. and sometimes you just need to start with the music and sometimes, you know, there's no right order to do things in. As long as the, you really care about the work and you care about that work being consistent and you care about that work being complete and, and you know, and, and you, you care about it making sense that it's considered, then it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I love that. That's a, uh... That's awesome. <laughs> so we're we're uh, coming up here on the end of the show, and this is kind of a lightning round of sorts. And it's just where I have you, uh, you know, give us a couple of recommendations to some things that you use in in life or in your uh, in your business, and then a couple of books after that. So the first thing I'd like you to uh, to tell us is um, just recommend a resource that you always use to our listeners, and this could be anything from an iPhone app to something like a prop list for your show. Okay, so that, this, I really wanted to recommend something good because I mm-hmm. use a lot of stuff. Um, I would recommend, more than anything, Manager Cell or QuickBooks, depending on what kind of company you run. Mm-hmm. Uh, QuickBooks is going to allow you to keep track of what, what your expenses are, who you're hiring out, if you're hiring out yourself. You can do invoices in it. You can keep track of your yearly income. And the truth is that the things that get measured get managed. And you, know, you can't just book gigs and, and not know where the money's coming from and not know how your work is seasonally and build a sustainable company. Mm-hmm. So, um, QuickBooks Online, I mean, if your computer gets stolen or broken or if you throw it down the stairs, you're fine. Uh, manager right, Cell does the, the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Manager Cell, is, it was created specifically for entertainers and it's about $20 cheaper a month than QuickBooks. Oh, so okay. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, manager Sal is the idea is that it's supposed to look like you have somebody managing you named Sal, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know it gives you templates for contracts, which is great when you're getting started out because not everybody has the money to hire a legal team. Mm-hmm. Um, it it shows you how to properly give estimates, and it it basically builds a format for things for you. Uh, incredibly useful. Even though my company is now at, a, at the point where we we've started developing our own. Um, we're still using Manager Sal because I, I can't do it better than they do it. Mm-hmm. Is it true? Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, and the second thing I'd like you to do is to recommend two books, one of them being performance specific and then the other one outside performance realm like a uh, business or a self-development book. Oh, man. This is also really hard. Why do you have to ask all the hard <laughs> There's questions? There's so many. <laughs> so despite the fact that this is not the best entertainment book, um, it's the one that I've revisited the most. Mm-hmm. And so may- maybe it is. But step by step to stand up comedy, uh, I think is a it's a system for writing stand up comedy that is most, in my opinion, the most applicable outside of stand up uh, from any other system that I've ever read about. And I've read a lot of books on stand up. Um, you know, it basically teaches you how to catalog jokes, 
uh, how to break a concept down. And when you're working on in the variety arts and you're like, oh, I'm juggling, and what's funny about a ball? You get lots of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but his system kind of allows you to go, okay, and then not just to write those things down, but to, to catalog them so next time you have to write a juggling show, uh, you can go back and reference those things. Um, so yeah, I would h- highly recommend step-by-step to stand-up comedy if you want your act to have any comedic elements in it at all. At all. Uh, it's a good place to start. I think uh, I think that one's been mentioned before. It, it kind of rings a bell, and I think it might have been Scotty Meltzer who who recommended that. So oh. I'm going to have to take a take a look at that again. Um, but yeah, um, I, I was just doing a quick search here, and it looks like there's a, some a workbook series on that uh, stand up comedy. Yeah, it's it's so fantastic. Great, Greg Dean. Yeah, All and right. and I mean, you have to think about like when you read that book. I think it's important to keep what you do in mind so that you don't just end up writing stand up because the way that stand up is written is not exactly the way you want to write for a variety show. I don't know if everybody here does so. Mm-hmm. And then for uh, non showbiz books, uh, I cheated. I have two. Um, one would be definitely the Four Hour Work Week. Uh, yes, I, ju- I I'm sure everybody's recommended that book because it's you know it's the Bible. Uh, of getting stuff done other than getting things done that's also a good book but what I loved about the four hour work week was that it it really encouraged me to um, you know create an information product which I did which was the fire eating DVD Mm -hmm. Uh, and and also to to think outside the box and to you know define success for yourself that's that should be the first step if you if you want to be an entertainer then you want to run your own business. That's that's what that is. That's what you've chosen to do and it doesn't feel that way at first. It feels like you're goofing off but no you're you're an entrepreneur your business owner, and you need to think like one. Um, and the first thing you got to do is figure out what does success look like for you. What what would that be? And otherwise, you're you're driving your car, but you don't know where you're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the other one is definitely the practicing mind, because um, in in the entertainment world, I I would really encourage people to take a step outside your comfort zone, learn to juggle, uh, learn to do a backflip, learn to you know whatever you could, you can do, learn to face paint, do balloons. Um, Expand, expand what you can do, because everything you learn, as long as it's within the realm of entertainment, act, sing, mm-hmm. uh, will be helpful. And we only have so much time in the day, and a lot of us uh, like to eat and sleep. So uh, <laughs> the book <laughs> that's like a the good pack- thing, <laughs> <laughs> right? For most people, I think it's a good thing. But the, a book like *The Practicing Mind* is going to take you from uh, being frustrated by learning a new activity and finding a lot of pleasure and joy in it, and being able to do it really fast, and being able to achieve mastery. Um, then just you know get a rudimentary understanding of something because it, that's what you want. You want to really understand something, mm-hmm. otherwise you're not going to be able to to build on it and and create something really unique. Right, right. Uh, quick note to our listeners: you'll be able to find links to these resources and the show notes uh, for this episode uh, at successfulperformercast dot com slash Carissa Hendricks, and that's C A R I S A H E N D R I X. So, Chris, I'd like you to do one last thing here, and that would be to give a piece of parting advice to our listeners and then tell us where we can find you online, uh, plug your services. Um, your, uh, you said you have the fire reading book. Let us know where we, where we can find that as well. Sure. Well, I, I think my, my parting advice would be that if there's something you really want to do, um, then figure out under what circumstances it would be you know, pleasurable and it would make you feel successful because that's where we all want to go. We want, I'll want to, we, nobody wants to be a performer and be like, oh man, I'm doing, I'm, you know, I'm 40 years into this and I, I'm doing it because I don't, I don't know how to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now when you, when you have the chance to, to drive your car and, and make your choices, figure out why you're doing this. Why do you want to be a performer? 
Right. And 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 it's okay if the answer is that you want attention. I think that's sometimes very true. But <laughs> just figure out what that is, because because you're going to be able to make a lot healthier choices for yourself. Um, and sometimes people are going to make offers for you that you should be turning down. And if you don't know why you're doing this, you're not going to know to turn those down, and you're end up very unhappy. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so just if you're going to do this, figure out why. Uh, and which is a little sad. <laughs> my, my parting advice is that every puppies and kittens. That's what I should have said. Okay. <laughs> and rainbows. <laughs> and rainbows. And unicorns. And that, that's important. Um, and you guys can find me online at chrishenders.com, uh, dot com. Uh, I have a little blog on there. Sometimes I'll, I'll write little advice columns and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I have a, a DVD on fire eating which was a bestseller for a long time. We're, we're redoing a second edition of it, which should be out before Christmas. But the one that's out right now is great. My system, I'm very proud of my system. Uh, it, it breaks fire eating down and the very advanced vapor tricks down into really small steps uh, so that it really holds your hand all the way through it. I'm very proud of it. Uh, and, and yeah, and that's, that'd be my product. Go buy that. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Carissa Hendricks, you've shared all kinds of great information that our listeners can use to help grow their performance businesses. Thank you so much for being us, or for joining us today and uh, sharing your experience. Thanks so much for having me. All right, so that wraps up another episode of Successful Performer Cast. I uh, sincerely thank you for listening. I thank you for your ears and for your time. And, uh, you know, I, I hope you're getting some good information and inspiration from these interviews. Now, I wanted to point something out to you guys. I've uh, done a little uh, tweaking and changing on my Patreon account. And if you guys feel like you're getting some good value out of these shows, um, I'd ask you to visit SuccessfulPerformerCast.com slash Patreon, and that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and consider donating a, a small amount uh, you know, per episode. And I've actually lowered the threshold for uh, the, the, the barrier um, for entry on this, and I've made it easier for you guys to support the show. So you can now support the show for as little as 25 cents per episode. Um, there's levels of 25% or 25%, 25 cents, 50 cents, $1, $5 and $10. And you know, Hey, if, if, uh, if you guys want to do more, I'm, I'm down for that as well, but there's some cool perks that you can, uh, you can get like, for example, for the $1 per episode, um, you would get a, uh, a shout out on the show uh, for $5 per episode. Um, there's a little thing that I, I haven't done yet, but you would be able to give me a secret word that I would have to work into my show during an interview. And it'd just be a, kind of a, a little nod to you. And, uh, you know, just kind of a, a fun little uh, extra thing for you guys. And then for uh, if anybody pledges $10 per episode, you would be invited to a monthly Saturday morning Google Hangout with myself, a special guest, and uh, any other $10 supporters of the show. So, you know, there there's some really cool perks that I'd be able to give you guys for that as well. But I'd ask you to go check it out. If you guys feel like you're getting value, 
uh, please feel free to do that. But you know what? I'm going to continue doing these episodes for you anyway. This is something that's certainly helping me out. And I know from the emails and from the, the messages I get on Facebook that uh, these episodes are really helping people out as well. And really, truly, that is the big thing for me and uh, one of the, the main reasons that I keep doing these. So I sincerely thank you guys for listening and uh, have a great week. I will see you during the next episode. All right. Take care. generous spirit, authentic relationships, and consistent, considered, and complete work.